Who dat to a very special Saints game week and welcome into the Who Dat Dish podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are coming to you via fansided and whodatdish.com where you can find fantastic Saints articles all year round from our amazing writers. As always here at the podcast, I'm your host Dayton Brown and we thank you so much for joining us today on this very, very special episode. We will be diving into the numbers and the storylines surrounding our beloved New Orleans Saints home NFC Championship game, which takes place against the Los Angeles Rams this Sunday at 2.05 p.m. New Orleans time. This is our very first episode here on the podcast in the two seasons it's been around that we've been able to preview an NFC Championship game for the New Orleans Saints. So it's very exciting and very overwhelming because there is a lot to get to. And here with me, as always, to help me break it all down, you can follow him on Twitter at St. Charlie, which you won't regret. You won't ever be disappointed with that follow. Our analyst (laughs) and good friend, Charlie, what's going on, my man? Really pumped for this week. I'm sure you are just as pumped as I am. Yeah, uh, I'm pumped, man. It's always... uh unique and special to have your favorite team you know in the semifinals of any tournament and you know having the the saints get here is it's awesome man it's you know we've been saying since summertime that this season really felt like super bowl or bust Mm -hmm. and and we're still you know in in that super bowl or bust time frame right now um but you know part of me is is anxious and nervous you know like like anyone would be. I mean, I, sh- I feel like, you know, if, if someone tells you they're not worried at all or, you know, that to me, they're just BSing, man. You, you don't get, you don't, you know, even the players are probably anxious and nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, the other part of me is like, well, this is where we, we belong here. We should be here. This is what, what this team was built for and the moves we made, you know, especially on defense in the offseason, bringing in a guy like Demario Davis, um, you know, making the trade for Eli Apple, sending the first round pick away for uh, Marcus Davenport. Um, you know, you don't you don't make that particular trade unless you you feel very confident you're going to be in the tournament this late. And lo and behold, here we are. Um, you know, we we're going to be picking late. We would have been, you know, had we kept our pick, be picking late this year in the first round. So it seems like all the moves we've made especially on the defensive side of the ball, have, have really kind of come together. And uh, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited to see, to watch this game and, and uh, you know, try my best to enjoy it. <laughs> right. So then just completely freak out. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to balance out the feelings uh, for sure. Um, especially for myself, as I mentioned on the last episode, I'm going to be watching it with my old man, my pops, uh, who's a Rams fan, so... I'm, I'm going to try not, you know, if the Saints are doing good, I don't want to rub it into his face too, too much because uh, it will be at his house. So, I, you know, I, I don't want to disrespect the man of the house. But, I mean, if the if the Saints are on a roll, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be cheering as loud as I possibly can uh, yeah. because it's, 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 it's exciting. You don't get these opportunities, and as you mentioned, as soon as we came onto this podcast to, to begin the regular season or, or even before that when, when, you know, the draft was coming around, we knew this was going to be uh, uh, at least – deep playoff run or bust for this team and slowly it turned into Super Bowl or bust and we're still at that that point however if the Saints do lose this game I won't necessarily consider the season a bust but it will be disappointing and that says a lot about you know the um structure of this team and and the culture it's brought um over the past couple seasons because you know saying a season is disappointing even though you got to the NFC championship game 
says a lot. And that's something we haven't been able to say about a Saints team in, in quite some time. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Um, we're going to get to the injury report. We're going to get to the, the spread, the over, the under. We're going to get to all of the statistics as well. Um, and of course, on the other side of the realm, you have the Patriots going into Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. That game will be taking place at 6, or so it would be 5.40 p.m. Central Time, 6.40 p.m. Eastern Time. That's down there in Kansas City. The Chiefs uh, seem to be hosting an Arctic blizzard yet again, um, something Tom Brady has been able to, to thrive in. So real quick before we dive into to the juicy stuff, Charlie, um, a- a- any thoughts pertaining to Chiefs, uh, Patriots? I-, I think it's going to be a good matchup. I definitely don't think it'll be as high scoring as their, their original meeting, which very interestingly enough, not only are both of the championship games against the two top seeds in each uh, conference, but there are also previous rematches that a lot of people had predicted would turn into be the championship game for each conference. So it's funny how everything kind of played out like that. But and any uh, any thoughts surrounding uh, Patriots at Chiefs this weekend? Yeah, I mean, in general, championship weekend, you know, this is one of those years where it really, to me, feels like the four best teams, the four the four teams that should be here are here. You know, sometimes there's years where, like a a nine and seven Giants team will catch fire at the end of the year and knock off a couple of teams. Next thing you know, they're in the Super Bowl. This is one of those years where the top, you know, four teams really throughout the league, throughout the season in the NFL, made it to the to the final four. And I, I always like that because then I feel like you know, as fans. Um, you know, I'm sure the league and the and the networks like it too because you're really getting the best available product um, that the NFL has to offer. And it, you know, you're getting Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest, in my opinion, uh, not it's not arguable arguable anymore, the greatest quarterback coach duo mm. in the history of the league. And then you got this young cat, Patrick Mahomes, with an offensive genius and a play calling genius, and Andy Reid. Um, you know, a guy who I have extreme amount of uh respect for i love andy reed he's a great coach he's a great guy he's got a huge heart um you know i i think that game is is gonna be a good game you know i i uh i I don't know if we're gonna pick that game but i'll just go ahead like i i I am actually gonna pick the patriots to win that game just because it's pretty impossible for me to pick against the patriots um even though on the road you know what they're one and five in their last road playoff games or something like that and they mm-hmm. three and five on the road this year but I, you know it's impossible for me to pick against the Patriots you know and having said that I could a hundred percent see Patrick Mahomes um, beating Tom Brady especially especially you know at home you know outside of the Superdome the, the Chiefs really have you know, one of, if not the best home field advantages. And it's going to be a cold, crappy day. And I don't, I know that doesn't really affect the Patriots much because they're from a cold climate. But yeah, I'm with you on the, on the, on the score. I, you know, if it was a, in a dome game or a game where it wasn't going to be that cold, I, I probably would, would say this would be a decent, decently high scoring game. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. But I'm, I'm excited for that one too. And I'm, and I'm definitely glad that game comes after our game. I'm glad we're yes. the first game. Me too. Me too. Especially coming off a weekend where we were the very last team uh, mm-hmm. to end up playing. So it, it's it's very awkward time though, especially over there. Anywhere. I mean, it's a little bit of a weird time over on the, the West Coast. It's a noon kickoff, which we don't get very often. Um, it's usually for especially Saints games over on the West Coast. 
those games yeah. don't kick off until or they usually kick off around 10 a.m our time so right as we're waking up this time it's noon which i enjoy but it's around two o'clock three p.m in the afternoon and i know yeah. charlie you're a little weird about those games and i know a lot of people on the east coast are just because it's such an awkward time uh to have a, have a game even though even on the weekend um so i i think that's really interesting but it's it's pretty consistent with how the playoffs have been played, so I don't think it'll affect the players overall. It's mainly just a fan thing. Um, as as it, it, it's just a little bit weird to me. I'm I'm not sure why they ended up choosing a, a time like that. I really would have liked at least one of these games to be a prime time game, even though it is a Sunday evening. Uh, but they both take place uh, kind of on the East Coast, uh, down there in the South, so to speak. Uh, so I I, I guess I kind of understand that, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think Chiefs Patriots. That's gonna be really exciting. I can't pick against the Patriots again, uh, so I, I I'm calling it. I'm saying the Patriots are gonna win that game because last time I picked against them, I picked them to lose by ten against the Chargers, and I looked like an idiot after that because uh, they absolutely just blew them out of the water. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that'll be an exciting game, even with the um, I mean, because both of these teams have the ability to score points and they can do it in the snow. So that, that that's gonna be great to see. And both games, both championship games, feature a future hall of fame quarterback one of the all-time greats over the age of 40 40 or over and then you look at uh the opposing quarterback is a young gun future of the nfl only been in the league for a little bit um and we're talking about patrick mahomes and and jared goff so both both pretty consistent storylines really exciting stuff and speaking of eagles at saints let's dive into it uh it is the tale of the tape of course the game takes place on sunday 205 p.m central time the current over and under let me actually make sure i have it accurate make sure it hasn't changed within the past uh, few hours i've looked at it but the current over and under seems to be 56 and the current spread seems to be in favor of the saints by three and a half points um and of course that usually happens we, we've talked about this on the podcast before charlie mentioned it actually sorry the over under is now 57 um i think the over under in the the patriots chiefs game is is uh 56 um so over under 57, the spread favors the Saints by three and a half. And we talked about it on the podcast before. They, when both teams are evenly matched, they'll usually give a three and a half point nod to the home team. Uh, so essentially Vegas is saying, hey, these team, these two teams are pretty evenly matched. Uh, so we're, we're just going to give the spread there to the home team, which happens to be the Saints. Um, and l- let's go over, before I get your initial thoughts on the game, Charlie, I want to go over the per game stats on both offense and defense Actually, let's do offense first, and we'll talk about the offenses for both of these teams because it's absolutely high-powered, both sides of the field. Um, On offense, points per game, the Saints finished third in the league at 31.5, and and the Rams finished just ahead of them at second at 33 points per game. Total yards per game, the Saints finished eighth at 379.2, and the Rams finished second at 421.1. Um, and, and, and I think the biggest discrepancy is that the Rams were fifth in passing yards at 281.7, but the Saints were 12th due to a couple of slow games for Drew Brees there, uh, uh, towards the tail end of the season. The Saints finished the, uh, season 12th at 252.6 pass yards per game. Rush yards per game, the Saints finished sixth with that, um, two-headed monster in the backfield of Alvin Kamara and, uh, Mark Ingram. 125.6, and the Rams finished third at 139.4 rush yards per game, mainly due to Todd Gurley, but the final two um, regular season games, C.J. Anderson had fantastic um, runs for the Rams to cap off the season and, of course, uh, inflate those numbers a little bit. 
Um, so, so credit to Anderson for stepping up as well as uh, what we saw last week against Dallas in the playoffs. So, Charlie, offensive stats seem to be both teams are obviously top of the league in, in pretty much every category. They're, they're top 10 in just about everything. Um, and when it comes to turnovers as well, the Saints are 7th in uh, turnover differential with plus 8. The Rams are 4th at plus 11. So both teams take care of the ball fairly well. Uh, both teams are able to both run and pass it due to the heavy amount of talent they have around them. And both of these teams are kind of, you know, structured the same way. You go from the quarterback, you go out, build great offensive line so that you can pass protect your quarterback and he can get the ball off and that you can run the ball really well with good offensive schemes. So is there any clear-cut advantage for any team here on the uh, offensive side of the ball? To me, really the only thing is that the Rams have quite a bit more weapons overall for Goff as compared to what Drew has, but it's not by much because the Rams, obviously, Cooper Cup is out for the season, um, and he right. has been after he he was injured in the middle of the year. Um, so I, I don't think that advantage is big. And other than that, it seems pretty evenly matched all around for me. Uh, what are you thinking when you look at both of these offenses? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of parity in the offenses, both on you know a talent standpoint and then even even a scheme standpoint. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know, I, I would I would kind of um, say the offensive lines are a wash. You know, if the Saints were a hundred percent healthy and and all that, I, I would I would give the nod to the Saints offensive line. But uh, especially as of late, the Rams offensive line has been playing phenomenal. Um, wide receivers, I'm gonna give um, you know just for depth purposes a nod to the Rams, just because I think you know we have such a stark drop off in production after. Michael Thomas. I mean, Ted Ginn coming back has been has been has been good. I mean, mm-hmm. he's definitely adds another element to the offense that that we didn't have when he was gone, and there was no replicating it. We couldn't we couldn't find it. We you know we tried the Traquan thing. It didn't you know Ted Ginn is a 33 year old pro who can still fly and has a great rapport with Drew. And he adds you know the deep threat um, and just another option for for Drew. Um, but you know, comparing those th- those two groupings, I would give a slight nod to the Rams. Running backs, um, you know, that's a tough one, man. I mean, you have Todd Gurley, who arguably is the best running back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, C.J. Anderson, who is a Super Bowl winning running back, who's come on as of late, and, um, and the Saints have a great duo. You know, arguably the best duo in the league. So I give a slight slight you know nod to uh, to the Saints, um, and then. And then the most important position is quarterback, and that's without question is going to be I know is going to be Drew Brees. You know he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's the best passer of the ball of all time. Um, and then within that, you know, it, the the other uh, element that comes into that is is where are you playing the game, and you're playing it in the Superdome, which is going to be loud and crazy, and so that's gonna that's gonna hinder what golf and that offense try to you know what they try to do um so you know the, the way i like to look at games um being an understudy of some people like pat Kerwin and greg cosell and those smart guys is you know when you when you look at picking a game or you look at how you feel the matchup's going to be the, the best thing to do is okay when did they last play look at that if it was a long time ago like it was um you know it's 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 most accurate that we look at the last four games of each team and seeing what who they are now, you know who they mm-hmm. were back when we played them. Um, they're a completely different team. Their defense is playing better. Um, they don't have Cooper Cup. You know our defense is playing better. 
we now have Eli Apple, and we didn't have you know I think Crawley started that game right, and um, yes, and we have you know we have Eli Apple who's come on better. Um, so you know over the last four, you know if we want to get really deep into stats here, so the, the Rams to me have have changed their offensive identity since losing Cooper Cup. They they don't necessarily have that that three headed monster at wide receiver that was just so hard to keep up with. Um, they they've become you know this is this is a credit to McVeigh and how smart he is and uh, Les Need their their GM and just how forward thinking and smart they are and going out and getting C.J. Anderson was just great. Um, he's a completely different type of running back than Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is an outside zone type of running back. Uh, C.J. Anderson's an inside zone type of running back. And if you look over the last four games, so Philly was, you know, what, four games ago. Um, they threw the ball 54 times, and Goff completed 65% of his passes. Uh, and they only ran the ball 18 times, and they averaged four, about four and a half yards a carry. That was in a loss in a, to, to Nick Foles when he was, you know, mm. in, his ma- in, in his magic bag. And then the next week is when C.J. Anderson shows up against the Cardinals, you know, Foles only throws the ball 24 times. An easy play-action throws, um, and he completes 79% of his passes. That's really an outlier in these last four games. They ran the ball for 41 times, 41 times, and averaged six and six and a half yards. Next week was the 49ers. You know, that's the end of the season. They kind of know that they have the number two seed uh, in 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 their hand. They're not going to get to the number one, and and they know that they probably are going to keep the number two away from the Bears, they passed the ball 29 times, and he only completed 58% of his passes. They ran the ball 42 times, but they only averaged 3.7 yards that game mm-hmm. per kick. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, last week against the Cowboys, Goff threw the ball only 28 times, and he only completed 53.5% of his passes. Mm-hmm. But they ran the ball 48 times for 5.7 a pop. Whew. So that so that, that kind of gives us a, an idea of – who the Rams have become. They're, in my opinion, they're kind of since they since they signed Anderson back in week 16, the the trend has been away from throwing the ball. They're not they're not running that same system that they kind of were, you know, last year and earlier in the year. Um and you know, they signed TJ Anderson out of necessity because Todd Gurley got hurt. And you want to, you know, you need Todd Gurley to be fresh in the playoffs. You know, when you look at the two running backs, like I said, Todd Gurley is an outside zone kind of guy. He's a he's a good receiving running back. Anderson is an inside zone kind of guy. Now, <clears throat> when you match that up against the Saints, you know what what worries me is, okay, we, we have the second best rush defense in the league. We ended up that way, and we we're the we were the best rushing defense in the league since, uh, you we, know, yeah, we we barely barely finished second. I was just looking at the stats. Chicago finished first at eighty rush yards per game given up the saints were yeah. second at 80.2 so i'm gonna right. i'm just gonna say the saints were tied for first I'm sure yeah, the saints yeah exactly and in, in the longevity of how good our rushing defense has been right is is just you know it's insane like we said last time the saints haven't given up a uh 100 yard rusher since samaj p ryan crazy you know versus versus, versus the redskins last year so you know dennis allen has this this run stopping scheme on point and it's going to be absolutely paramount that we keep that because we cannot let the Rams running game get going because if that's the case Jared Goff is a play action pass intermediate throwing machine that's his bread and butter that's the thing he's best at 
is that intermediate passing game based off the play action, and they build you build the play action to the run game. So the you know watching a lot of these baldy breakdowns and learning what makes our run defense so good is just the, it's really the scheme, the technique, and then the guys trusting in each other. We run we were we run a lot of bear fronts, which is on defense, which is it's kind of an old school run defense where you kind of cover up all the gaps. And you just maintain strong gap integrity. I mean, that is really, really the key versus the Rams, especially because they run a lot of that jet sweep, you know, with Cooks or, or Woods coming around. Mm-hmm. The whole idea, I mean, the Saints run a lot of that too. We, we run, you see that with Ted Ginn coming down. You see it with Traquan, or not Traquan. You see it with Alvin coming down. And the whole idea behind that is to get you out of your gap. You know, if you, if you, have, a, if you have a runner flash across your face going in motion, you know, if you have that slight, uh, inclination of kind of taking a step towards where the motion guy's going at that point, once the ball snap, you kind of lose your gap integrity. Mm-hmm. That's, and that the saints do it. I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, jet sweep, fake flip pitch out to Kamara? Oh, you know what I mean? And then the, the, the Rams do the exact same thing. So who cares if, if the, uh, if the, you know, I was listening to a podcast earlier today in, in my preparation for this show to just, get a, a really a really good like holistic view of how this game is going to go down and and I love Greg Cosell I say that all the time and he said like you know when you see that maintain your gaps because if you if you bite on it and you go for it you know who cares if they get a seven or ten yard run off of a jet sweep whatever that's not what's going to kill you what's going to kill you is them constantly working at you in the running game so like back to what I was saying when you look at the the way the Rams offense has become, it's become a multifaceted run game. And the Saints are that too. You know, we have two different running backs who have unique skills. But, you know, in defending the Rams, it's the outside zones with Gurley and then the passing game, and then the inside zones with CJ Anderson. If we maintain our run defense, I feel really good about how defense is going to perform. Discipline is the name of the game for that running game. The Saints have been able to do it very, very well all season. And um how teams, I guess, control their own run game against the Saints is also very interesting, which I think is why it's led to the fantastic numbers the Saints defense has put up against the run game. Because a lot of times teams will start out drives by having a run, maybe two, that gains them anywhere from zero to maybe two or three yards, even after one or two rushes. And then they're faced with a, if they have an incompletion on second down after running for it on first, or, or if they just run it twice and they're at, you know, third and seven, they're they're stuck in a third and long position. And at that point, I mean, you're, you're not running the ball then. You're going to try to pass. You, if you have a three and out, goes to this dominant Saints offense. And I think that's kind of where a snowball effect can start to happen for a lot of teams. And it, it starts there with stopping the initial run for the team so that they don't feel confident in that, forcing some incompletions, leading to a lot of third and long conversions that the Saints have been better this year than last at stopping and getting off the field so their offense can go back out. So, yeah, and I'm with you. <clears throat> Gap integrity, discipline of the team, this front seven. Credit credit, uh, credit to all the players up there for the front seven for the, for the Saints. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, even though he is going to be out for this game and most likely all of 2019 with a, with a torn Achilles, which is so unfortunate to see. Fantastic year for the young man. David Onyemata, Taylor Stallworth have both stepped up and been able to fill in that middle part there of the defensive line. And, of course, the outside guys, Alex Okafor, Cameron Jordan, who are mainly known for their pass rushing abilities have been able to stay home on the defensive side of the ball and uh, stop the run as well. And then, of course, our athletic linebacking core of Demario Davis, who was one of the greatest free agent signings ever. 
Um, Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, second-year guy. He's got a really bright future. He was a steal in the third round. AJ Klein, who has stepped up. I mean, Charlie, if you uh, you remember last year when when we were talking about him, even I, the um, off season this year, we we, we kind of begged on AJ Klein a lot, and I mean, rightfully so. He did not have a great season with the Saints by any means last year, but he's stepped into his own. Uh, so far for the Saints, and I think he's, he's going to be pretty important there. So, yeah, the, the run game has been great, and going up against a Rams team who really enjoys trying to get it going with whoever they can because that's kind of where they can get the play. Uh, Sean, Sean McVay loves the deception-type plays. He loves being able to fool defenses, and he's really, really good at it. Uh, but if you're not able to run the ball successfully, there's no base for you to start out there, and the way Jared Goff has been playing the past few weeks, um, I don't think the Rams are, are so confident in his ability. Now, both quarterbacks, Drew Brees and Jared Goff, have had their off days, and since these two teams met, actually, besides the the big blowout games for the Saints, both teams have been, or uh, both quarterbacks have been, you know, not not what we expected uh, for, for their talent level. Drew Brees, of course, has had a couple of low 150-yard passing games, of course, 120 against Dallas. Jared Goff had that four-interception performance against um Chicago now both of those games were road games and for the Rams specifically that game in Chicago was outdoors uh, for the Saints it was um of course an AT&T stadium but still um I think Jared Goff has affected a lot on the road um young quarterback um who is now going into a dome that's going to be really really loud and I think that's a big advantage the Saints have as well that I want to talk about right now is the dome Charlie you've been there before I will, I will go there someday, but you know all about how loud it gets, how rocking it gets. I don't know if you've ever been to a, to a Saints playoff game before in the Dome, but um, how, how big of a factor do you think noise will? Because it didn't seem, obviously, to start out the game last week, crowd wasn't able to get into it because of that initial interception. The Eagles drove down the field, but after the first quarter, the crowd was really into it, and it affected the Eagles a lot on offense. Miscommunication, some blown coverages even there on defense, leading to some Saints um, big gains, but they were also playing a lot of soft zone, uh, there on defense, but overall, I think the crowd noise really helped them out after that first quarter. Um, how, how big of a factor do you think? Cause Saints fans are really, really, really pumped for this game, but Sean McVay leads a very disciplined team with a lot of talented guys. Um, how big of a factor is noise level and overall just home crowd, uh, going to be effective on this game? I mean, you know, it's, it's everything in yeah. the playoffs. It's, it really is. I mean, the, the the home team is i mean especially you know with a home field advantage like the dome i mean that like we've been saying all along the dome is extremely loud and there's just a a mood in there i mean you know if you're the opposing team you don't want to start off slow you don't want to fall down early to the saints um you know and credit the rams because they did last time you know last time we played we jumped out on them real early and we were dominating them like 34 to 14 and at one point in the game and and they were able to fight back yeah um you know and i don't know but to come in and have to do that again you know that's that's hard in in order for that to happen the saints offense really cannot afford to start off slow and the defense can't do the thing where you know we take a few drives or a quarter or a half to figure out what to do on defense like mm-hmm. we it's one of those games where we can't do that i know dennis allen is a is a you know his in my opinion his strong suit is making an in-game adjustments because you've seen that time and time again where the first quarter doesn't look so good and then the rest of the game we shut him down. I, this is one of those games where I, I really don't I really don't think it can happen and the crowd is such a big part of that. Like the Rams, 
you know, they 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 kind of run a no huddle. You know, they golf <clears throat> gets the play in really early in the uh, during the play clock, and they do a lot of um, you know co- communication that way. You know, by yelling back and forth um, on the line. You know, your line checks and all that. It's just it's hard, man. And you know, in the crowd. I mean. You know, if any of our listeners are going to be there or know anyone who's going to be there, it is, it's like the fact that you have to scream and be crazy, like that's, it's an amazing understatement because hearing that level of noise for three plus hours nonstop, it just beats you down and down and down and down. It, after a while, I mean, it's like, it's almost like torture. Like you're trying to block it out and you're trying to maintain your assignments and and not jump off sides or not false start or get the play in quick enough and not take a delay game penalty or not burn a timeout it just wears on you it's almost like you know a running back who's been beating you up all day it wears on you at the end of the game throughout the entire game it wears on you so the crowd noise is such a tremendous factor in this game and that's why you know locking up the number one seed was such was so important and it's, well, especially for New Orleans, obviously, uh, going in there. And it seems like the players pay attention to the, the Saints players. You listen to what Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram were saying during their postgame interview. They're paying attention to the crowd level as well. They're dancing on the sidelines. They're looking at the meter that they project on the Jumbotron there. They know that that works in their advantage, and they love it. So so I, I, I know that the Mercedes-Benz Superdome will be absolutely rocking Um come this Sunday, and I'm, I'm really excited uh, to see that. So I, I, I'm in agreement with you. It plays such a huge factor, especially in the playoffs. Um, and another huge factor, obviously, is health of the teams, and I want to jump into the injury report. Uh, today is Thursday, and I was just double-checking. I, it doesn't seem like there is any current injury report out for today at all. So not we'll, yet. We'll, not, not yet, right. It should be released. It will probably be released as soon as we freaking post this episode. That's how it happens. Um, but going off of yesterday's, um, injury report. First off, the Rams didn't have anybody listed. Um, not sure. Sometimes that doesn't mean they're fully healthy. Sometimes they just don't list guys because they're not really, really sure. They they might have them be a full participant practice, but then they might tweak something that they were dealing with earlier, and then they're listed on Thursday. But sounds as if so. The Rams are are really, really close to 100% completely healthy for the game. The Saints are not too far behind. The only two guys that actually missed practice. Um, other than Rankins, of course, Sheldon Rankins is going to be out for the rest of the year, uh, was Keith Kirkwood, who is dealing with a calf injury, and tight end Ben Watson, a uh, fan favorite, of course. Uh, it's going to be, this could be very well be his final game if he ends up playing. Um, he did miss yesterday's practice due to illness, um, so we'll see where that, that lands. He'll probably end up being okay. Um, Teron Armstead was not listed on the injury report, so it sounds like he's going to be definitely good to go. And there were only... Three limited members of the Saints, and they were all on the offensive line. Um, and they were just, you know, nursing some previous injuries. That's Andres Pete, Ryan Ramchick, and Max Unger. Ramchick and Unger arguably are two most important offensive linemen there, uh, up there with Warford, um, who's his, his highlight film of him blocking and uh, the run scheme for the Saints is absolutely incredible. Uh, but Ramchick, Unger, very important. Andres Pete, of course, had that broken hand he's been dealing with. Uh, he struggled last week. Got to give him a little bit of cut him a little bit of slack because of that. But Charlie, dude, the injury report isn't isn't bad at all. I'm I'm really excited that both of these teams are pretty much going in almost fully healthy. It seems like um, that's going to lend way to a better overall game. It's going to lead way to uh, less excuses from whichever team that loses because we all know we heard so many of them when we beat the Eagles. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited reading this injury report. It's it, it's exciting. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously the biggest one there that worries me, or not worries me, it's it's already passed. It's the uh, the Sheldon Rankins injury. It what worries me about losing a guy like him who put up what eight eight and a half sacks throughout the years. When you have production like that in the middle, it really you know you have to account for him in your in your slides and your protection schemes. Without without that, um, you know this opens up more of a window for them to s- slide a lot of, of uh, protections out to Cam Cam Jordan and really stunt him, man. I mean, you saw that. You know, this is this is like a nightmare flashing before my eyes. This is last season on that last drive of the Vikings game when mm-hmm. we really needed a pass rush. You know, and Sheldon Rankins was in that game, and and there was just no production at all. So they were able to triple team Cam Jordan on that last drive. You know, slide two linemen or a, a the tackle on the tight end with a running back. I mean, there was that. That's what worries me is can Onyemata step up? I mean, he to me he's going to be the one who's going to get called on the most. You know, it'll probably be a little bit of a rotation with him. Um, Taylor Stallworth and, you know, maybe newly signed Tyron Walker. I'm not sure how much he'll actually play, you know, maybe five to ten snaps at most. Um, you know, but a guy like David Onyemata, he's – this is his time, man. He's got – you know, he played well last year in the uh, the Panthers playoff game. Um, he really is going to have to step up. That That's my biggest worry, you know, looking at, at the injuries. And then uh, pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, he wrote, he wrote an article on on the injuries that seem to be you know what we know of so far going into championship weekend and the, the Rams are the most, they're the healthiest team in in the in the tournament right now they they really don't have any injuries it looks like Todd Gurley's fully recovered from his knee inflammation um, you know but Keith Kirkwood is, is kind of worries me because um, he's a wide receiver. And with a calf injury, that's hard. I mean, you got to be able to get in and out of your breaks, fire off the ball, and accelerate through your routes, and you know all that. That could that could be a problem. And there's a good chance that he may not play. Um, and you know, then then what do we do? Do we, you know it's a, it's a crucial playoff game. So do we call up a, a guy like um, you know Austin Carr, who Drew Brees clearly has a certain trust level with, or do we call up a a receiving tight end like Dan Arnold, who's who could be a matchup nightmare if he ever comes into his own, but he's also been prone to drop some pretty crucial catches. Mm-hmm. You know, or do we slide? Um, you know, Tommy Lee Lewis does he see more snaps? I, I'll be really interested to see how that all plays out if Kirkwood's unable to go. And I think Ben Watson's fine. I think he's yeah. I, I think I think he'll be okay. Um, yeah, I mean that that's that's what I see on the injuries, man. Is is how are we going to try our best to replicate production up the middle on defense so that Cam Jordan who hasn't gotten a sack since the Tampa Bay game, um, you know, we need him to turn it on, man. He, yeah. You know, he, he's got to. He's got to. He's, he's, still, he's still a stud in the run game. He's providing pressures. But, you know, pressures are great. Quarterback hits are awesome. But sacks are drive killers, man. Mm-hmm. The drive killers, they get in quarterback's head. Um, we need him. We need Cam Jordan. We need – We I mean – Tampa was how many weeks away? I mean, you know, we just – it's got to happen, man. He's got to come through and get some sacks, and we'll see how, you know, losing Rankins, how, how all that is affected. Yeah, hopefully that ends up – because Rankins a lot of the time is double and triple teamed uh, against – because teams understand the scouting report, and Sean Rankins can, can wreck some havoc. 
Uh, so maybe that does lend way uh, to, to Cam Jordan. But piggybacking off what you were talking about with Keith Kirkwood, I you know it would have been nice to have kept Brandon Marshall on the roster to this point because he would have. I mean, we would have been able to see him a little bit in game action at some point. Definitely would have been able to see him against Carolina in the season finale. See what he can at least. Uh, uh, I guess a preview of what he could bring to the team um, and have him step up for a crucial game like this, a veteran, because the guys we have given opportunities to and Tom Lee Lewis, Dan Arnold specifically have kind of literally and figuratively fumbled away their opportunities. Tom Lee Lewis uh, fumbling away uh, that that was against Carolina on Monday night football with the uh, um, fumbling out of the back of the end zone that almost could, you know, led, (laughs) excuse me, led to a Panthers drive that could have won the game. Um, and then Dan Arnold dropped. I think that was the same game when Dan Arnold dropped that catch from Breeze that ended up leading to the tip pick. Um, yeah, that was that against, was, that was Carolina, Carolina as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, other than Austin Carr, who Austin Carr's ordeal is that he's missing assignments every so often for for a wide receiver. He's either not lined up correctly. That's happened a couple times where Drew Brees has had to call a timeout because Austin Carr either wasn't lined up correctly or didn't know he was going to be in the play. So I think that's kind of where he's come out of the picture, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, it would have been nice to have at least another body like Brandon Marshall. Um, But at this point for the Saints, I think they're just going to ride in what they have. We'll see how healthy Kirkwood is. If anybody's going to get called up, yeah, it's kind of a toss-up in the air right now. I really don't know which direction they'd go. I guess it depends on um, how they think they'd better exploit the Rams, whether they want a big guy who can go up and get the ball, kind of like uh, Dan Arnold, or if they want kind of a faster, shiftier slot guy like Tom Lee Lewis or um, uh, Austin Carr. I'd go with Arnold just because he, rem- he, he he's closer to what Kirkwood brings, and Kirkwood, Kirkwood can just go up for the ball. Um, but, yeah, that'd be interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. But luckily for, for the Rams, if you're a Rams fan, your team is, is looking looking really good in terms of uh, health there, so um, no excuses there. Defensive stats, this this is where it gets pretty interesting um, with the 2018 regular season per game defensive stats and how these teams rank uh, compared to the rest of the NFL. Points per game, the Saints are 14th. They finished 14th, giving up 22 points per game. Rams finished 20th, giving up 24. So if we look at the Saints won their game's average score of 31, almost 32 points to 22. So they won by almost uh, 10 points per game. Rams won uh, their average score would be 33 to 24. So they run the, they won their games by an average of nine points. So both teams won their games by an average of two scores. Really impressive overall, high scoring, but they also gave up quite a bit of points. Um, but compared to the league average, the league average score in 2018 regular season, the average score was 24 to 23. So they're right there in, in, in the thick of things in the average. Total yards per game, the Saints were 14th as well, giving up 349 yards per game. Um, and the Rams were 19th, giving up 358.6. Here's where this discrepancy comes in. Of course, the Saints were tied for first rush yards per game, giving up only 80, and that includes zero 100-yard rushers. The Rams finished 23rd, giving up 122.3 rush yards per game. Pass yards per game, the Saints were 29th, giving up 269 pass yards per game. The Rams were 14th, but not too much better at 236.3. So both secondaries aren't anything to brag about. When you look at the actual roster, you see Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. George Johnson is actually playing really, really well there for the Rams as well, uh, a young safety for them. You look at the Saints, Eli Apple, Marshawn Lattimore, a couple of top 12 picks, Marcus Williams, really talented safety as well. And then you look at the numbers, 
And then you look at the scores of each team, and you go, oh, okay, a lot of these stats are because teams are trying to catch up, scoring a lot of points on, on the offense, so teams are trying to pass to catch up. But at the same time, these teams have lost games because of their secondary, especially the Rams. The Rams lost against the Saints because of their secondary, uh, because Marcus Peters blew that. The Rams had a very, very good shot at beating the Saints that day, but that long bomb to Michael Thomas kind of kind of finished it out. And, and Saints have lost their fair share of games over the last five or six seasons because of because of their secondaries. Um, but Charlie, both teams, nothing to really brag about there on defense, other than the Saints number one in the league in, in rush yards per game. But it balances out due to how many yards the secondary, the pass game, has given up. Um, specifically for the Saints, how... How locked down were the corners have to be against somebody like Jared Goff and Robert Woods? Um, and, of course, Brandon Cooks, the former Saint. They're, they're going to be going up against those guys. How locked down do the, their secondary has to be, even though it seems like a rush defense is going to be great? What are you expecting out of the secondary um, against the Rams? I know we've talked about a little bit about their weapons, but for Marshawn Ladmore and Eli Apple, Marcus Williams, Von Bell specifically, what are you expecting out of the secondary that seems to have struggled quite a bit this season? Um, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm expecting a different, a completely different type of philosophy going into this game compared to last game, because although it seemed like the Eagles had more, more options in the past game, they were, there were different kinds of options, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So the Eagles have, you know, they had size and dudes who could go up and get the ball. The Rams wide receivers are fast mm-hmm. and they're they're very fast. So you can't, you know, I don't necessarily expect see what I wanted last game was for the uh was for our, our secondary to play a lot more press man and you know jam the guys at the line so that they don't get a free release off the ball and you can miss you can mess with um Goff's timing because of the RPO type of offense that they run. This week is a different. It's a different beast. It's a different animal. They don't. They don't live off of that RPO type of system, and their wide receivers are built differently. Their skill sets are differently. So I honestly see a little bit more zone this week than we did, than we typically do. Because who wants to get caught, you know, in man versus Brandon Cooks? If, right. If if you don't lock that down, or, or Robert Woods, who who always seems to be break, breaking over the you know the deep to intermediate middle for a huge a huge gain. So I, I kind of see more of like a zone blitz concept or maybe some two man under where you have you know a shell over top to to um, you know limit the big plays because that that's one of my keys to this game is really limiting big plays. Don't get beat over top. Marcus Williams take the right angles on things. I, he still takes the wrong angles. I mean, the PJ Williams touchdown for Jordan Matthews. Yeah, he lost the ball, but it seemed like he almost felt like Marcus was supposed to be there over top, and he, Marcus just took a horrendous angle. And next thing you know, they're we're losing. So, you know, I, I see a different scheme. I think you know the the primary um, focus of the defense will be to stop the run and then keep everything underneath. Don't get beat over top. You know, keep underneath, rally to the ball. Maybe, maybe might see a little bit more bend but don't break type of defense than what we're kind of accustomed to. And then going back over, you know, defensive stats, the Saints were 14th in the regular season at, at 22.1 points per game. And then six slots down, the Rams were 20th at 24 
uh, points a game. So I think that the stronger unit is the Saints defense, and yeah. and that's even that's even with losing Sheldon. Um, you know, I think this the Rams defense is heavily skewed by the fact that they have the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, and then Sue has kind of come along, and Brockers is tough. You know, Marcus Peters is he, he's one of those boomer bust type of guys. He, someone once tried to compare him to Asante Samuel, and I almost Ooh. see it as Asante Samuel was one of those you know high risk, high reward type of guys where yeah. you could beat him on some things. Um, Talib is tough though; that'll be a tough matchup. You know, My, Michael Thomas is going to have a you know he's a strong guy, he's great, but he's going to have a tough matchup. But overall, you know, unit to unit, I, I think the Saints defense is better. I think our linebackers are significantly better. Oh, absolutely. I, I think our edge rushers are better and deeper than theirs. And I think our secondaries are fairly evenly matched with Marshawn Lattimore obviously being the best out of everyone in that entire group. I think our yeah. I think our corners, I give a, a, a slight edge to our corners. Not a slight edge because Lattimore is a lot better than Tlaib and Marcus Peters. And and Eli Apple has really you know become a lot more solid, and Von Bell has been has been has been solid. It, you know, it really comes down to Marcus Williams, man. He he's got to step up, make a play out. I, I would love to see a Marcus Williams interception, man. Me he's too. got two two interceptions this year. Last one was was against terrible you know Bengals on a horribly thrown ball. You know, you, his primary job is center field. You know, deep is the deepest. Um, you know, last line of defense guy. And uh, it's just time for him, man. It's time for him to step up, make a big play. You know, even a tip ball that ends up becoming an interception, whatever, man. Just, you know, make a play. Calling your number, Marcus. That would be a fantastic redemption. I mean, think, think about I me. Mean, we talked about it all season. This would be his redemption season after what happened against Minnesota last year in the playoffs. Imagine him getting an interception, whether it be game ceiling interception or an interception to start the game out. That would be a great bounce back for him mentally and just overall his his, his young career. Um, that'd be awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'd, I'd love to see Marcus step up. It hasn't been a minute since he had a um, interception. Also, uh, penalties I think are very important. Each team is uh, top ten in the league for for uh, fewest penalties. Uh, I think each team average averages seven, and this includes the the seven penalties per game. Just include flags that were thrown. It doesn't mean all accepted penalties. So each 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 team averaged about seven flags thrown on them per game, which is top ten in the league. Chiefs were worse, averaging uh, a little over nine penalties or, or I guess flags thrown at them per game. Um, so fairly fairly nice disciplined teams. I think the key for the Saints, and, and you mentioned it, um, blitzing is going to be definitely the key um, to getting Jared Goff off his game because that's how Chicago was able to do it. They were able to pressure the Rams beautifully. Uh, with that really talented uh, defensive line they have there, and force Goff to make throws. I mean, he he, he just kind of threw them out on the whim. A lot of these interceptions he he threw, it almost seemed like he was just throwing them to to Chicago's guys because he didn't have anywhere else to go. Goff, because of how young he is, he'll definitely force throws. He'll definitely try to get the big play that can turn into a mistake. So I think blitzing will be nice. Now, you said the Saints should play a little bit more zone defense because you don't want to get beat against the, the quickness they have with guys like Cooks and, and Woods. And I'm in agreement with you, but if if we're blitzing, I'd almost prefer man-to-man because that creates tighter windows for Goff to have to throw the ball in. But definitely leaves the defense more prone to being burned deep down the field, which the Saints secondary is, is definitely no stranger to. Um, but it hasn't, hasn't really happened in, in quite a long time. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore hasn't been burned since week one against 
uh, Tampa Bay, and that was the Mike Evans play. And and when and admittedly, when I saw that play, I thought Marshawn Lattimore's season was going to be almost like a sophomore slump. But yeah. he, I mean, he ended up turning it around, um, and it wasn't burned at all the rest of the uh, uh, season. And he played very very well against Alshon Jeffrey last week, um, and Zach Ertz when he had to cover him. But Jeffrey really only had one significant pass caught against Lattimore, and the rest was Lattimore playing really really good defense against uh, Alshon Jeffrey. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in agreement. I think the Saints defense is, is better overall. Um, and I think the Rams secondary, even though they, they're able to get turnovers, I don't think they're going to be able to do that against somebody like Drew Brees just because he's able to pick apart their the, the type of zone defense they run. They're a little soft on their coverages, and we saw it. I mean, we saw it week nine when, when the Saints ended up playing um, and winning. Uh, we saw how soft their zones were. So, yeah, I, I'd give the nod to the Saints. Overall, I think I'd give the nod to the Saints – um, if, if you're looking at all of the team work structure, coaching staff, the personnel um, on both sides of the ball, special teams, um, I'd, I'd give the nod to the Saints as well, even though both uh, teams have fantastic puncher and kicker combo. Um, the Rams, of course, have Greg Zerline and Johnny Hecker, the, the Saints with Will Lutz and Thomas Morstead. So this game is almost as evenly matched as you can get with teams playing similar. I mean, the, the schemes and offense are definitely different, but they both rely on their running game to kind of get things going, and then they have star quarterbacks to, to get the points, get the big plays, make everything run, um, and, and two fantastic head coaches, one definitely more experienced than the other, but uh, both on high horses after winning last week. Um, so overall, I think this is going to be a fantastic game. Um, anything else you want to say regarding either players, schemes, anything else, Charlie, before we do our score predictions? No, I mean, I think you said it, man. The, the two teams are, are pretty well evenly matched. Um, you know, we have the Hall of Fame quarterback. They have a little bit more health. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's gonna be a good game, man. I, the people, the people I'm shining my spotlight on are on offense. Uh, Andres Pete, how is he with that hand? You know, he struggled last week with two really good interior guys. Um, you know, getting flagged is, you know, always in the inopportune times. Um, you know, how is he going to hold up versus Aaron Donald and and uh, and and Dominic and Sue, and especially if they're they're throwing stunts and twists at him. You know, how how is our how is our interior offensive line going to hold up versus them? And in 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 particular, um, Andres Pete. And then on the flip side, David Onyemata, is he going to be able to step up and and you know do his best to fill that role and what is Taylor Stallworth going to do? Um, you know, with a very strong honorable mention, Marcus Williams. Mm, mm, yes. Yeah, I think, uh, I, again, I, I'm going to copy what I said last week from my X Factor because it ended up being right, and I think it's going to be crucial for this game. On offense, I think the X Factor, again, is Ted Ginn Jr. Because he opens up the offense for Michael Thomas, and we saw how great it was. And he can also, he's, a, he's our vertical threat. And that's going to be really, really important because he wasn't able to play against the Rams the last time we met. So it's going to be a whole new ball game for him. Defensive side of the ball, um, I'm 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 actually gonna go with with who you were mentioning earlier because I also want to see him step up and I think uh, stars are keys to teams winning playoff games and it's gonna be Cam Jordan. I think Cam Jordan if, if he's able to make some noise, cause some havoc, and of course plays into being able to pressure Jared Goff to get some um, errant throws or some incompletions to to help the Saints defense get off the field. Um, so let's let's jump into score predictions then. Again, the over/under is set at 57, and the spread the Saints are favored by three and a half points. 
Charlie, what's your score? Uh, are you taking the over, the under? Are you taking the the points for the Saints? Are you are you thinking it'll be closer than than three? Because again, it is pretty evenly matched, and it's a championship game between the two top teams in the conference. It's going to be a good one. Uh, what's your score? And tell me why. Oh man, this is a game I've been going back and forth on. Not not necessarily the winner, because mm-hmm. um, I am going to pick the Saints to win this game. But really, on how it's going to play out, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, absolutely, take the over." Um, in the over/under right now, I guess depending on which site you look at, mm. it is fifty-six and a half. Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. And the Saints are favored by three. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Depending so, on the site you look at. So yeah. I looked at my site that I that I look at, and it was Saints are favored by three, fifty-six and a half. So that's kind of like one of those, man, thirty to twenty-seven type games. Um, you know, if you're gonna pick the over, I'm gonna go under against the tide uh everybody and their mom is gonna be picking this to be you know a a score fest like last time i don't think it's necessarily going to be that way because i think this game is going to be different i think the it's going to be slowed down because i think the rams are so run heavy now um and i think the saints are going to really try to run um on that defense that gives up about five yards a carry you know so i'm gonna go the saints win um Right, right at the spread, uh, at twenty-seven, twenty-four. But mm. I, I can see it being like twenty-seven to twenty-six, like a nail-biting, yeah, one-point win. They miss like a two-point conversion along the way, or something like that. But you know, final score twenty-seven, twenty-four. Saints go back to the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be something? As the video is now circulating around of the NFL films mic'd up of Garrett Hartley's fantastic game-winning field goal to send the Saints into the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be great yeah. if, if Will Lutz ends up doing just about the same thing to send the Saints to their second Super Bowl? I mean... Could happen. It could happen. This, could ha- this very later. well, whether it's a shootout or not, you know, my gut tells me whoever has the ball last is going to win. 100%. Yeah, I mean, that was almost the case last week against Philly, too, and luckily yep. Alshon yep. Jeffrey had some uh, popcorn before that final drive and uh, gave way to the Lattimore interception. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm with you. I think... Uh, um, it almost feels like a cop out to to kind of go with the uh, like you were saying, kind of go with the tide, go with the um, what the experts, so to speak, are saying. Um, I'm gonna go with the over on this. Actually, I, I do think since it's a dome controlled environment, both teams know each other. They're gonna try to get after it, and f- fantastically talented. I do think a lot of points will be scored, um, and I'm gonna take. Um, I mean, I guess if the spread is three. I'm going to take the spread. I'm going to say the Saints are going to win 34 to 31. Um, boring score, uh, or I shouldn't say boring score, just you kind of run in the mill score. Um, almost seems like a cop out answer, but I feel like that's how the game is going to play. It's going to be back and forth. Eventually, one team is going to have to have an edge over the other, whether that be um, kicking a 55 yard field goal or something like that to end halftime so that they can you know, make the score closer and, and have a little bit more confidence going into halftime. It's going to be one of those games where. You're going to need to take whatever points you can get. Because we've seen this Rams team, especially against Chicago, drive down the field, get into the red zone multiple times, and turn the ball over or not capitalize and scoring a touchdown. So take whatever points that you can get wherever you are without trying to turn the ball over. I think that's going to be the key to the game is turnovers because both these teams are, are very disciplined when it comes um, to to keeping the ball outside of some outliers and being able to get takeaways as well. It all kind of evens out and ends up, being in favor of, of each respective team. So 34-31 is my final score uh, prediction. 
Uh, we don't know what Tyler's is, but as soon as we do, we'll let you guys know on our Twitter account. You follow us at the WDD Podcast. But, I mean, that's all the time we have for today. We, we broke down just about everything you need to know re- re- uh, regarding this game, revolving around everything. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in. Charlie, anything else you got to say before we sign out? I mean, this, this is the last time we'll be talking to everybody before the game. Uh, and it's huge. It's absolutely rocking down there already in New Orleans. So anything else you got to say before we sign off? Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, it comes down to turnovers. Absolutely, whoever protects the ball mm-hmm. uh, most likely is going to win. Um, and along with that, whoever kicks more field goals is going to lose. Yeah. I think uh, you, you got to end – these drives have to end in touchdowns for the Saints. Um just because we know what the Rams are capable of doing. I mean, I, you know, I'm not scared of the Rams. I think the Saints are the better team with the better quarterback and coach combo, and we have the ridiculous home field advantage. So all of those things point towards winning the game. And, you know, with me, I typically like to side with experience. You know, the experienced guys are going to most of the time win. But, I mean – Really, that hasn't necessarily been the case. I mean, last year were the Eagles really experienced in beating Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? No. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, we saw you know the the young uh, bunch of kid Seattle Seahawks yeah. beat Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So you know they're that's kind of pushing against my theory of going with the the experience. But you know. Four best teams in the league. I'm going with the two most experienced teams. And plus, who doesn't want to see the two last remaining, you know, old school goats, mm-hmm. Breeze and Brady, battle it out in the Super Bowl? Oh, everybody wants to see. They just don't want to admit that they want to watch Tom Brady. I think. Well, I think everybody that's... outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh man, could you imagine? Oh my goodness. I mean, I, that's the talk of the mill right now, right? If it ends up being Saints Patriots, it's in in Atlanta. At the Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the Super Bowl, it's the Falcons' rivals going up against the team that came back and beat them after that twenty-eight to three lead that the Falcons had in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Absolutely wild. Yep. That would be, and that would be music to our ears. Whether I mean, whether the Saints win or lose, the fact that we got to play, if we go to play the Super Bowl in Atlanta against, I mean, whether it be the Patriots or the Chiefs, Patriots would be adding even more fuel to that fire. But either way, playing the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Um, while they're sitting at home and have been sitting at home since freaking December. Um, Yeah, it'd be a very special moment. So hopefully that ends up happening. But Charlie and I both have the Saints winning. I'm sure Tyler has the Saints winning as well. I'm sure Tyler's prediction is like 45 to 29 or something like that. Something (laughs) something, Something uh, like that. Some crazy. So, uh, but like I said, we'll let you guys know if we end up getting a score prediction. And follow us on Twitter at the WDD Podcast. You can follow Charlie at Saint Charlie. You can follow myself at Dayton underscore Brown underscore. Um, and as always, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us five stars as well. It goes a long way. We also post to Spreaker.com, uh, which is the actually hosting site for our podcast. So um, subscribe to, download, and listen to all the episodes on there as well. Um, and, and tweet us any thoughts you have about the game, any score predictions yourself. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys, and we'll, we'll feature you on the next podcast if you end up tweeting us, so uh, be sure to do that. But um, as always, for Charlie, I'm Dayton Brown. We thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Hopefully the Saints come away with the victory on Sunday. Either way, it's fantastic to see how this team has performed this season and gotten to this point. Um, that is the NFC Championship game. So one more game, and we're on to the big day. 
Um, so again, thanks guys for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Win, lose, or draw for the Saints. Well, I guess there can't be a draw in the playoffs. So win or lose for the Saints. We'll talk to you guys next week, breaking down the game and what happened. And as always, who dat? Who dat? <laughs>